haven't got a union My co-workers suffer silently Some get revenge by stealing from the stock Mine comes after lunchtime I clock in, hit the lavatory Sit on the toilet, give the door a lock Pooping on the clock Pooping on the clock Pooping on the clock Pooping on the clock And we are live. Howdy folks. Welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your host, your boy, Garrett Schalke. And hey, guess what folks? It's 2024. It's a new year, which means a new season of hashtag powerful GSP, season seven. We uh, got a new intro song and a, and a variety of new guests that are going to come on this year. Starting now, in fact. Uh, today's guest is uh, was the Michigan Beat Poet Laureate from 2018 to 2020, the four-time National Tic-Tac-Toe Association champion, the founding editor of Dog's Plot, the creator of the Madhouse Sessions, and the author of the National Virginity Pledge, Next Sword, The Next Nothing, and his latest release, a poetry and photography collection titled The End of Paralysis which is one of the major topics we'll be talking about today. Uh, folks, let's uh, welcome Barry Graham. Uh, thank you. Um, one thing I do want to say before starting off, um, I did not create the Madhouse. Um, a, a gentleman named Leo Todd Jarrett. Um, oh, I know him. Yeah, you know Leo. He and he, he, yeah, he was over there at Ipsy when, um, when we were over there, so you met him. But yeah, he he started the Madhouse in 2011 um, as a poetry series, and um, I just wandered in there one day and fell in love with the vision, and I jumped on board winter of 2012, so I've been helping him co-run it ever since, but Madhouse is his baby. Yeah, he, (laughs) he, um, it's his vision, you know, he, he believes firmly that, that poetry and and i mean all art but specifically poetry is a genuine pathway to the divine um and um i believe in the vision so you know i was hooked from the beginning well uh let me slightly amend that intro there Uh, (laughs) new season new intro song new guests uh new absolute screw-ups that just Totally destroying any credibility this interview. Has. No, no, but no, but I do, I do want to say though, um, um, Madhouse um, is on a little hiatus right now. I don't know if it's temporary or permanent, um, but in the meantime, I've I've started doing a thing called Third Face, which is um, similar but different. Um, so I've been doing shows. Um, under that label for about a year now. We have an erotica show coming up February 24th in Toledo. If anybody's interested, um, get a hold of me, please. Yeah, we'll uh, actually get all into that. Into the right interview. on. But hey, uh, Barry, it's great to see you again, man. Yeah, man, always. It's been like, I think, nearly a decade since you and I saw each other face-to-face. 
I think so. Uh, well, 20, yeah, because what, 20, Actually, 2015 yeah. or 16. So, was, yeah, about eight or nine years. Yeah, it was uh, 16 because uh, when I met you for the first time, it was in uh, Ypsilanti. Yeah, uh huh. And, uh, and you were starring up that uh, storefront there for Madhouse. And I came over and I donated a few things, which uh, I think included a TV. Some of my first novel, Animaki, which came out in 2016. And as I mentioned before, that uh, Ralph Steadman painting that's right behind us. Yeah, that's a solid piece, man. Yeah, that belonged to an old housemate who uh, <laughs> actually was insane. She was bipolar. So uh, yeah. it's, it's actually more reflective of her than mm. I think she probably realized. Yeah, didn't think I would ever see it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Barry, my friend, how you been, dude? I've been all right, man. Like I said before, just kind of getting over getting over a cold I've been hanging on to since November. Um, but otherwise, um, I think I'm okay. I mean, I've been better. I've been worse. So, you know, I'll take that as a win. Well, you should feel good. <laughs> you uh, have a new collection out, actually. Well, it's getting... Uh, so, it's... It's completed, but so I went to um, I went to a bookbinding class up in Ann Arbor at the library um, a couple weeks ago, and um, I've um, been throwing around ever since the idea of um, kind of making individual one of a kind unique chat books i mean it's a shit ton of work which is my hesitancy right and the expense um a kind of hand crafting um and personalizing every individual one as opposed to just going with the perfect bind um oh, so really? i'm not sure yet so i'm kind of throwing it around um but it's done it's ready to go i just have to figure out how i want to bind it and then do it okay uh you just want to jump into the end of paralysis um, what do you mean by jump into it? Yeah, let's, uh, it's your latest release, so let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Plus, of course, there's something way more pressing that needs to be talked about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the Lions are playing this afternoon, so oh, we man. have that. But, oh, um, yeah, they are playing tonight. They are, but, um, so, yeah, tell me, tell me, dude, will they make it to the Super Bowl finally? I don't know, man. Uh, San Francisco is a tough team. They're on the road. They had to go across the country. Um, I don't know. So we'll see. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually excited. I am not a football fan. Yeah. But watching it go this year, I'm like, it's happening. It's finally fucking happening. Yeah. You know, I never thought I would see this day. Yeah, I don't think anyone in Detroit actually did. <laughs> um, I mean, if, if, if Stafford couldn't get it done um i don't know i think a lot of people lost hope after him and we had the you know the three win season and we thought it was more of the same bullshit but it looks like campbell got it turned around a little bit so we'll see what happens yeah well it's the official position here at gsp is go lions actually <laughs> fucking win something yeah and it's a weak ass nfc right now i mean <laughs> they're you know they're not that strong okay so uh but yeah that's enough about football. Yeah, go we Lions. <laughs> fucking Yeah. All right, so the end of Paralysis, uh, your latest release. Yeah. Can you describe what the 
book is and how it came about? Oh, um, all right. I can, I could talk a really long time about this or a really short time. So I'll try to give the in-between version here. Hey, talk as long Um, as you want, dude. So yeah, I mean the the thing the thing about writing poetry, I th- for me at least, or even like just creating art, I kind of feel like I have, you know, just whatever shit that's going on inside of me, no matter what it is at any given moment, and um, the shit that's in there determines the medium that it comes out as. You know what I mean? I don't really sit down and say I'm gonna write a poem today, or I'm gonna write a song today, or I'm gonna paint today. You know what I mean? It's more like, okay, what's going on in here, and how do I get that out? Um, so I don't write poetry as often as a lot of poets, but for me, at least I think sometimes that's good because, um, there's, I write a lot of poetry when I'm, I don't know, when I'm fucking, when my fucking heart's broken half, right? When I just feel crushed and I feel like, um... I don't know, but the, and but the thing is, it's like, in order for me to write the poetry, I have to stay in that place mentally and emotionally, and it's 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 hard sometimes. It's hard mentally and emotionally to stay in a fucked up mental and emotional place for the sake of writing poetry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what that's all about. I just I had some shit going on, and I wanted to try to make sense of it the best way that I could so it came out as poems um but it's it's tough it's that's probably the hardest thing for me to write mentally and emotionally is poetry just because of where it comes from inside if that makes sense oh yeah totally actually yeah, yeah. I've uh, actually got back into poetry writing this past year much to my surprise uh actually had a lot of success yeah that's good yeah which surprised me because uh when I first started writing First, I tried short stories and stunk at it. Then I tried poetry, and it was better, but it wasn't being accepted anywhere. Then I started writing prose again, and that really got the ball going. You know, I just put out two novels these past two months, so... How do you how do you determine what you're going to do? Do you, did you say, like, I want to try to write a novel, or I'm, I want to write a poetry collection? How do you determine what, what you do, you know what I mean? What well, medium you're writing? Well, uh, first I kind of had like a pseudo schedule or goals, if you want to call it that. Usually I've been trying to put out like one book a year, which went on until uh, 2022. You know, that year I decided to take a break, not because of the writing, but the publishing process just burned me the fuck out. Yeah. I, I fucking hate it. Yeah, same here. Like, I didn't want to do the editing. I didn't want to do the publishing. I didn't want to, you know, have to commission a cover or get a blurb. It's like, oh, I just, I can't do it. Well, I can't do it this year. I had a good streak since 2016. It's time for that to happen. Time for it to start again this year, this past year or so. Right on. Yeah, I also don't. I don't have a writing routine or schedule. I attempt to have some, especially if I'm like really into something or I'm about to finish something. But it's not like, you know, every famous or professional writer you know where it's like they sit down for this number of hours a day during this time and do this and do that. Oh yeah, no, I can no, there's none of that for me. Yeah, I can't. You know, a lot of times, you know, 
at night would just be, you know, just hanging out in bed and then something would just pop in my head, you know, a line or something. And then I just quick write it down and then I just, you know, you know, just follow that thought process for a little bit, meditate on it, kind of tune into that feeling, to that emotion, leave my notes sit, and then in the morning revisit it um, with, you know, with fresh brain, right? Um, and kind of play around with it then. That's usually how it goes. Yeah, uh, this past year with poetry writing, I've uh, really gotten to writing it on my phone. And, uh, yeah, I hope they're out listening to this. Huh. Uh, really got into uh, writing at work. Oh. You know, <laughs> you know when I take my um, <clears throat> bathroom breaks. Oh, yeah. Like every yeah. good American does. Yeah. yeah take I, them often. Take them breaks often. Boss makes a dollar. I make a dime. That's why I write poetry on company time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan Denton would be proud. Yeah. But, uh. But yeah, so uh, I've known you and I've known your work for uh, well over a decade now. I own the National Virginity Pledge on Kindle. And, uh, and I was wondering, for uh, this new release of poetry, does it differ at all from your previous efforts? Like um, style-wise, theme-wise? Yeah, I, th I think so. You know, I think so. I, because, because my brain, not just mentally and emotionally, but also... I guess where I'm at. When I when I write a novel, I want to be extremely clear-headed. I want my insights to be calm because I want to be in control of what I'm doing. I want to be in control of my prose. I want to be in control of what's happening. So I have to be very calm inside um, in order to write a novel. Um, and that's reflective in the voice, you know. Um, short stories, a little less so. Um, you know, in free verse, poetry is very frantic. It's very all over the place it's very um it's very emotion based um which i don't think my prose is i'm not that i don't i don't know that's just me as the writer um thinking about it <laughs> so um yeah i think it, i think the poetry feels a lot different than the prose um but i still i think the similarity is that i i rely heavily on imagery on sensory observation and describing things very very specifically um in sensory details i think that's i think that's how you get people where you want them is you make them you know see touch taste feel a missing one but whatever you can smell whatever you make them do that with what you're doing you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then they're where you are and that's so that's what I try to do, and that's not that's not changed. That's just how I write. All right, so uh, so I was lo looking at this, and your uh, previous work for that Sleep Demons came out in twenty twenty two. Is there a connection between these two books besides them just being poetry collections? Um, yeah, I, th I think one's a beginning and one's an ending. I think you know I started I started Sleep Demons. Well, about seven, eight years ago. Um, and, you know, as the name suggests, it was just shit going on inside that kept me up at night. Shit I, I couldn't shut my brain off from. I couldn't shut my heart off from. Shit that was just um, just killing me. And I tried to make sense of it. And I got done. I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? 
And it's like I said at the very beginning, I, I, I got to the point where I said, I can't fucking do this to myself anymore because I'm torturing myself for the sake of writing some fucking poems and I can't do it. Um, so I had to shut it off. I wanted to continue on them. I wanted to write more because I still had more to say. I still had more to process. I was actively going through the shit. Um, but I just, I couldn't do it because it's, it's, <laughs> it's sadomasochism in a way. Um, and I'm not a fucking sadomasochist. Um, so I had to stop, but revisiting those emotions again, um, following the, following the end of, um, the end of a relationship I was in and just sort of processing, not just the relationship, but processing, you know, myself. Cause you know, you get, you get to a point, you know, anytime anybody goes to a bad breakup, I think you, you're, you automatically are like, okay, you know, this person did this and this person did this and this person broke my heart and this happened to me. Um, which if you really, 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 um, dig into yourself and dig into the situation um it's so much more involved and there's there's so much more you know so I, I started i started out the end of paralysis um with that like this happened to me and it was fucked up and i need to process it but by the end of it um by the end of writing it you get to the point where you work through it all you know the end of paralysis it's the end right um and you say no. Um, sometimes shit just don't work out because people aren't compatible in ways that make a long-term relationship sustainable. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? At the end of the day, sometimes that's what it is. And you and you give as much hurt as you receive. You know what I mean? So you process that um, receiving and giving, um, and you kind of take ownership of your shit um, and. That's kind of what I was doing through the process of writing these poems. And then once I worked through it, that's it. And the process is, is over as a collection. It's over as a theme. I don't want to revisit it I'm at a good place. And because I'm processing different things now in my mind, um, I'm, I'm working in a different medium. We've, we've been working on... Um, kind of just sort of mixed media art pieces, um, paints, Sharpies, pastels, um, and just doing a lot more visual arts because it just, you know, that's what's, that's how it's coming out now. And it feels fuck of a lot better. I'll tell you that it feels much better. There's no, there's no self mutilation involved. Um, it's just, it's just a lot of, just a lot of feel good just coming out. So it's good. Well, I'm glad that you gave that explanation because uh, <laughs> that's a way more epic explanation than what I was going to ask. Since, oh, uh, no, since, ask away. Since uh, I asked about the connection, since I noticed the, noticed the titles, you know, sleep, sleep Demons and End of Paralysis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, sleeping paralysis. Sleep Paralysis. Oh, yeah, one of the poems, the one that was actually the hardest for me to write. Um, it mentioned sleep paralysis. I also, I mean, that line, the end of paralysis, doesn't appear anywhere in there, but I stole that line from Bright Eyes, if you're a Bright Eyes fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Poison Oak. It's in Poison Oak. Um, so I swiped it. But it doesn't appear in the poem. It's just the name of the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you had uh, sleep paralysis lately? 
No, I've I've probably only had it three or four times in my life, and it's fucking terrible, and I don't wish it on myself or anyone. Yeah, I've I almost had it like, well, I think like three weeks ago, beginning of the month, but uh, thankfully it's happened enough times in my life that I kind of figured out how to like recognize it and then like get myself out of it. Yeah. It sucks and it takes effort, but I yeah. can get it. And then it's so easy to slip back in even once your eyes pop up. This yeah. is what I found the last time that I had it. So what I do is I I force myself when I'm awake to get up. I turn music on very loudly and I, <clears throat> and then I listen to it and I let myself drift back to sleep with the meditative qualities of the music and it's I'm good. Yeah, the way I get out of it, the best way I can explain it is, uh, I don't know if you're an anime fan or not, but... Uh, I don't mind anime. I don't dislike it, but oh, I'm, oh, I'm not a or, huge fan. Have you ever heard of Dragon Ball Z? Oh, of course. Think of it, I kind of do something like that. It kind of feels like I'm powering up to like get out of it. Like, Oh, no, oh, right on. Right I was on. like, oh, shit, I'm sinking. <laughs> uh, get up. Fucking hard, man. It's brutal. Dude, the worst one I ever had was a couple of years ago. Not only did I have that, but I kept thinking I was waking up, but I was still, like, in a bad dream. It went, like, five times like that. Like, I thought I, thought I was awake, but I was still in a, in a dream. It went on and on and on. <laughs> like, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was so exhausted the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. I didn't realize the last time I had it. I didn't realize I was even. It was even occurring until, so um, I fell asleep on my ex's couch, and um, in the dream, my phone had rang and I picked it up, and um, she was just laughing at me. She was laughing at me, and I'm like, oh, it's fucking weird. Like, what are you doing? She's just laughing at me, and then the phone goes down, and then um, her her oldest son um, calling, and he this motherfucker's laughing. Mm. I don't mean that, Trevor. You're not a motherfucker. <laughs> he's laughing. No, I love the kid. He's he's laughing at me, and I'm like, okay, that's fucking weird. Why is he laughing at me? Whatever. Um, and then somehow he was in the room, and he was standing over me on the couch laughing at me. And I'm like, okay, this is fucked. Um, but then my oldest daughter appeared and she wasn't laughing at me, but she was there. And then I'm like, no, Angela's not here. Something's amiss. And then it dawned on me, I'm fucking dreaming. Get the fuck yeah. out of this. And I couldn't. And it was just fucking, I was just being laughed at constantly and it was fucking torture and it took me a little bit to be able to wake uh, up out of it god uh, there's this uh podcast personality named ed larson he's on uh, last podcast on the left he uh recently uh said during an episode i love i love nightmares they're like free horror films <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's not wrong but it's one way yeah. to look at it fair but i've never been i've never been frightened of a horror movie um I don't, I've, I'm a, like, I'm a gore guy. I'm in it for the gore. I want to see how fucked up you can kill someone. Nice. You know what I mean? I'm not in it for, I don't do the whole, like, you know, the, what are them, the paranormal activities and the oh, rings and shit and the ghosts and shit, supernatural, that doesn't do anything for me. I want to see somebody get yeah. killed brutally. 
I'm into that. Anything <laughs> that's like really like indie or uh, what's the term? B movie. Yeah, I like B movies. All right. Yeah. Or found footage films like Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Still love that shit, even though I've seen plenty of ones that are garbage. Yeah. Eesh. For sure. All right, so uh, the series that this book and uh, Sleep Demons are part of the Achilles Chapbook series. Yeah. Uh, is that something you started, or? Um, yeah. So when I when I started Dog Spot, um, I think what man, two thousand nine, maybe I don't remember now, but when I started it, um, I was just publishing um, stories two hundred words or less, um, and. I was getting so many submissions, so many quality submissions that I um, just started publishing every two weeks. I was putting out, it, it, um, and then um, I started putting out uh, an annual, um, my favorite fifty from the year. I was putting them out in a print edition, and I liked the process of printing. I liked the process of of all the stuff at the beginning that you said you weren't necessarily a fan of. I, I, I don't enjoy it anymore, but I did then I enjoy the process of putting the, the editing, the publishing, the design, you know, laying everything out. I enjoyed that very much. So, um, I started putting together, um, chat books, um, of just people who were submitting them and we f fucking published amazing, amazing shit. Like, I'm I'm proud of all the stuff that we put out through there, um, and with publishing too. You know, I just kind of got burnt out from it. I was you know submitting my stuff out to get published, and it wasn't like it wasn't that I wasn't having good luck. Like I I was published pretty easily, um, and so it wasn't that. I'm just like fuck the entire process of this. So I just started putting my shit out on my own. So the la the last couple chapbooks I'd put out through the Achilles chapbook series because I want to do it myself. I want it to look and feel the way I want it to look and feel. I don't want anybody fucking with it. I don't want anybody to tell me I can't do this or I can't do that. Because it happened a couple times in the Virginity Pledge. Um, there was some compromises I had to make in order to have the collection published that um, I regretted as soon as I said yes. And I still do to this day. And I'm like... I'm not fucking doing that again. I'm actually in the same boat. First of all, I just want my shit to get out there. Mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating always getting rejected. I know it's a, it's a thing with writers. You get rejections, but doesn't mean that it's still not annoying or shitty. Hell, this morning I got rejected from a rat's ass review. So <laughs> thanks, Roderick. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You know. He, he responded back nicely. It was all good. But yeah, uh, while I get my shit out there, and like you, I don't really want to de deal with people deleting stuff or saying right, or telling me you can't do it. Right. And to right. be and to be honest, uh, I've had uh, two 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 things uh, published via another publisher, and uh, yeah, only one of them. That was my first short story collection, Hub Jamboree put out through Elmblad Media Group was like the only positive experience I had. Mm. Shout out to my editor, Zach Elmblad, who I still work with today. Every other one, Jesus Christ. Oh, so yeah, no. I, I, won't, I can maybe tell you later because I don't want to get into it on here, but 
God damn, you meet a lot of freaks in the pub in the indie publishing. Oh, and a bunch of fucking assholes who take things way too seriously. Like, I do. like my my novel, um, <laughs> nothing or next to nothing. I, um, the 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 stuff, the work that the press puts out is phenomenal. They've put out some some amazing books, um, but I'm not gonna mention the publisher, and he's he's not gonna fucking hear this, but but he's a fucking asshole. He's an asshole. Every time I've ever contacted him about anything, he is just a dickhead about it, you know. Um, so I just I don't want to ever go through that again. Yeah, the main the one thread throughout indie publishing that I've noticed, both with myself and with other writers, is that a lot of the people who run these presses unfortunately have fucking issues like oh, yeah. mental. Everybody does though, man. True, I mean, very true, but. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Uh, none of them are professional about it. Like they, let, they kind of just let it out all in the open, and uh, unfortunately, that affects you. No, that's fair. So it gets to the point where it's like, God damn it! Can I just talk to someone normally? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm sorry you have this problem, but you're fucking up this process. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why I always advocate to anybody willing to listen. Put your shit out yourself. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're not signed with like, you know, whoever the fucking big people are, and you're not signed with them, and you're not, you know, on that, you know, just fucking do it yourself. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing that a small press person is gonna do for you that you can't do yourself. Oh, uh, quick correction. Uh, there was a second experience. My first novel, Animaki, I put out through Rice Forge Studios which was more of a writer's collective than a publisher. But I still worked with a publisher. His name's Don Noble. He runs Rooster Republic Press. Really great dude. Easy to work with. You know, great guy. Yeah. So there's my correction. All right. All right. Yeah, and I mean, oh, hold on. I, I'll add something to that. There, there are some phenomenal people out there oh, yeah, running totally. phenomenal presses, you know what I mean, who, you know, are doing it for the right reasons and they're on their shit, you know. Like, um... You know, there's a shit ton, but the one that immediately comes to mind is the Zank. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, what they're doing there is fucking amazing. You know, always has been. I've always been usually inspired by the Zank books. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely not bashing anyone. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. bashing the people that I've had problems with. But, yeah. Uh, but, no, I know a lot of small press people. They're all cool. But I just experienced so much shit that it's like, fuck it, I don't want to deal with it yeah. anymore. Oh, I have too, but big, big five or <laughs> I have too, but again, um, like I was saying before about the giving and receiving, I've also given a lot of shit, which I acknowledge um, in the past. So, um, just spent the last few years correcting my own bullshit as part of my own process. You know, yeah. <laughs> I I give a lot less bullshit now than I have once upon a time. So I'm proud of myself for that. Um, there are people who may disagree with that assessment, but um, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Good attitude to have, brother. All right, so uh, back to the book here. Uh, this, uh, sorry, chicken scratch. Why can I not write better so I can oh, read all these things? If that my handwriting is seven times worse than that, and I wouldn't even, I can't even read my own shit when I write. I gave up on handwriting a long time ago. Dude, the worst one was uh, when I was interviewing Robert Dean for the first time. I was doing the intro there, you know, listing off his publications. 
and I couldn't read while my chicken scratch. I'm like, and he also published, what the fuck did I write here? So, that stunk. Yeah. He, Robert Dean is cool, but <laughs> shout out to him. So, yeah, um, this, so yeah, end of paralysis, you also include photography in this book. Yeah. So, uh, what was the reason for that? Um, because I was doing a lot of photography at the time, and I, I only see really photography being presented to the world one of two ways. One is either, you know, people print them out and frame them, and they have these fucking shows or exhibits or whatever, and it's or you have like, you know, the photography books, you know, coffee table um, books. Yeah, there you go. And I'm like, no, you know, there's got to be a different way and a better way. Um, for me, I mean, whatever can work for whoever, but. Um, for myself personally, I'm like, no, there's got to be a better way. So, um, just including, including photos in with the poetry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, without spoiling too much, cause people should purchase your books and read them for, for yeah. themselves. Uh, I, how, how would you uh, describe the photography in this book? Um, <clears throat> hmm. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't really. <sighs> That's a good. I'm. I'm gonna answer that, but not right now because I'm gonna have that in the back of my mind and think about it. Well, don't worry. Uh, one of the <laughs> topics I do want to talk about talk to you about is photography. All so right. We'll dig deeper in that, I suppose. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that because I'm. I'm shooting for a show right now. Um, that me. Um. And some other people, my friend Jill here, we are, we've been working very hard on it. She's been an incredible help to me throughout this process. And we're working really hard on it. And I'm proud of the stuff that we're putting out. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about photography at some point. Yep, we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a sec. But uh, so what has the reception been for uh, the end of paralysis so far? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff i mean just kind of like oh i like i love the poems or whatever or no it's not really my thing you know i'm happy either way i don't really i don't really write for other people you know uh, i believe sleep demons uh ben tanser gave you a shout out for that yeah yeah ben's a good guy um yeah he's got a new book coming <laughs> out this march i believe yeah yeah, you know, you get you get the shout outs and you get the, you know, great poem or whatever, but um I'm I'd be much more interested on feedback of how they felt when they read it or when they heard me read it. That's that's why I'm I prefer, you know, when doing shows like the Madhouse you mentioned and what I'm doing now, third face. Um so I like doing that cuz you get the real time reception, you know. You get to you get to feel how they're feeling as they're experiencing your words and processing in real time. And I, so if there's a way to get that kind of feedback from a reader, I'd appreciate that. But as far as like people like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I appreciate the shout outs. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Keep them coming. <laughs> but, you know, I'm much less interested in that than I would be actual like, hey, I read this and I felt this way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping my uh, ego personally gets to that point sometime. Yeah. Because I'm still a glory hound, so it's like, uh, give me the shout out, give me the blurb yeah. that, I can, that I can use in a Facebook post. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't really have one of those, fortunately. Um, I just, 
No, no, I, I don't, I wouldn't call this ego. I wouldn't call it confidence. I wouldn't call this whatever, but like, I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those, I'm not a self-deprecating artist. I'm not going to just sit there. Oh, I fucking suck. Like I'm just a shit. Like I'm not doing that. I'm proud of what I do. I think it's fucking, I think it's brilliant. Like, I, I, okay. I, I know that I, I sound like a dickhead right no, here, but I, no, I I'm like, too. no, I fucking, li I, I fucking love this. Like I love this shit that I just did. Um, but again, you, I mean, you can call that ego if you want to call it ego, but I feel like it's just me being proud of what I'm doing. Um, but if any, if nobody else feels that way, I don't fuck it. And if you tell me you do, it's not going to do anything for me. Like somebody going, Oh my God, I loved your book. Like it's not going to do anything for me. If you say, Holy shit. Like I felt this in this way, that feels good intrinsically. Well, you got that on me there. Cause I do unfortunately go through at least one day a month where I'm like, uh, God damn it. Why am I doing this shit? Fucking yeah, no, no one's going to buy this shit. Do it for you, man. Always just do it for you. Oh, well. And then you don't have to worry about that shit. Ah, imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so you got these two books in the Achilles Chatbook series. Hmm? You got a third one planned so at all? Um, no, like I said, I am fortunately right now putting um, poetry to bed. <clears throat> um, and I hope... I, I genuinely hope I don't ever have to write another fucking poem in my life, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. Um, but um, I'm I'm still right. I'm I've been writing a lot of songs. I just I just finished writing an eight song album um, that I'm really proud of. Just the lyrics. I'm oh, not nice. a music man. I couldn't. I have my friends who are much more talented musically than me. You know, perform them for me. Oh, um, wow, nice. Yeah, so um, that's how that process works. But I like song. I like songwriting. It, you know, it's 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 a lot like poetry. Oh, that's my furnace. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. For no heat just kicked in. That's what the sound is. That, you you pick that shit up on here? Yeah, I did. Oh wow, Dude, that's this is a mic because you, <laughs> you would be surprised the things I can pick up. Yeah, like just the weird things. That oh, you're gonna hear me hitting this vape. You hear me hitting this vape. I hear it all. I see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the process—the process of um, of writing songs—I like the challenge of it because, um, and now I know you don't have to rhyme in songs. Like I know you don't have to, um, but I challenge myself to write and rhyme because um, I don't in my poetry. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's not part of any craft work that I've ever done. So I enjoy the craft of forcing myself into that box, forcing myself. Because in a way, you think it's more limiting, but for me, you have to be more creative because you have to come up with a way to rhyme this, keep the meter, and make it fucking make sense and do what you want to do within the confines of a rhyme scheme. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying that right now. I'm enjoying it a lot. All right, nice. Yeah. Actually, I did see one post about that one time. Uh, some so, some songwriter from Toledo, I believe, sang one of your songs. Yeah, my, most of my music friends are from Toledo, so yeah, they all are from down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God, we're, let's see if I can recall. Like, you live in Ypsilanti, live in Toledo, living you'll, here. You'll never fucking be able to name them. I don't even know if I can. I, I think you it, lived in Ann Arbor too. I did. I'd I'd have to I'd have to seriously get a pen and paper out, um, and really rack my brain to, to 
come up with all the places that I've lived and all the place. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just a nomad by nature. Just Belleville. I just I've just up here in Belleville from Toledo. Um, May just came up here in May, so this is I've lived in Belleville before. <laughs> you know, this is my first time here. And, uh, yeah, you ain't missing anything at all. No, uh, no, I got, I got here around two thirty, and I stopped at a sports grill to eat. Oh yeah, the yeah. one right there in yeah. town. Yeah, like, right by the lake. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, first thing I saw was uh, two Proud Boy stickers. Oh yeah. Like oh god damn it. Oh yeah, no. Well, see that's it's weird because like, you know, you have you have the city of Belleville in itself, which is which is culturally diverse. Um, but once you leave that little square, it's a fucking Trump den out in the country here. Oh, yeah. It's devastating. So, scratch those off. and Well, Grand Rapids isn't that better. I mean, just last, just after uh, the the Israel-Gaza war started, we, yeah. just, we just got bombarded with it Patriot. Does, that is not a fucking war. That is just... Yeah, that's a genocide. It's a fucking genocide. What they're doing over there is fucking foul. Yeah, jeez. And... and but uh, but yeah, it just got yeah, it just got yeah, it's ugh, fucking awful. But I did, but Grand Rapids got bombarded with fucking Patriot front stickers. Oh, um, so I had to tear a lot of those down downtown. Oh yeah, I I lived in three, maybe four different towns in Lenawee County, and that's it's fucking horrid. It's horrid as far as. Um, Trump supporters and just supporting this idea of this non-existent delusional version of patriotic America that isn't doesn't exist yeah. anywhere outside of their fucking minds. Yeah, another insane. An- another official T- T- GSP <laughs> position. Twenty twenty four is gonna be fucking awful. I mean, yeah. oh, it's gonna be a train wreck. But the the thing for, the thing for me about it that I'm that I'm really conflicted about is. I, I, I'm an anarchist. I don't, I don't, I'm not on either side and I don't think we need any of them. And I fucking despise Joe Biden. Um, I despise Joe Biden. Um, you know, not only for the fact that he's easily, in my opinion, the most ineffective president in my fucking lifetime, even more ineffective than Trump. Um, and he's a fucking terrorist. All presidents are terrorists because that's the nature of the job, right? But you know his his active support for what's going on, um, not only in you know in Palestine but in other places across the world is it's fucking disgusting and it's gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna show up. You know I've showed up the last two I wrote Bernie in, um, hoping the Rock will run. Quite honestly, oh, God I mean he's it. been. No. It, I mean yeah, but well I mean come on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Who would you rather have as president, Joe fucking Biden? Donald Trump or the fucking Rock? Okay, yeah, the Rock. Ex- exactly, Ex- he'd yeah, win. He, the put, Rock would win. If you put it like that, yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Out of those choices, I will vote for the Rock all fucking day. <laughs> um, and I hope he runs. Well, well, yeah, it could be worse <laughs> rather than you know Michelle Obama or some shit. Oh yeah, no, no. Obama. Uh, I. Hmm. Again, I'm not on either side. The thing, the thing I don't like about Obama, and f- let's forget policies. Let's just talk about people as human beings. For one, again, like people, and I know 
I know people, liberals fucking, they love Obama. They love this guy like he's fucking Jesus. And it's like, he's, for one, he's a fucking terrorist just like the rest of them. Make no mistake. Um, but the thing that rubs, you know what rubs me the wrong way about Obama? What? He's so fucking smug. He walks around like he's like the fucking second coming in the fucking Messiah. He walks around so fucking smug like his shit don't stink. Hey. And... Yeah, he makes movies now. No, that's what I'm saying. He's fucked up. See, now think about think about someone like George W. Bush, equally a terrorist. Oh god. Equally a terrorist. But this is what I'll say about George W. Bush. All the US soldiers um, who are killed in combat during his watch. He's painted portraits of all of them. He's an artist. George W.'s an artist. He has I'm sure they, he I'm has, sure they appreciate no, that. No, of course, but no, 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 it, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It has, it's, it's, it's showing a humane side saying, listen, I know this is fucked up and I need to process this and I need to do this. Um, it's, to me, it shows humanity. It shows remorse. It shows um, growth as a human being. Because I've heard things that he said since Iraq and I, I know he feels like a piece of shit inside. It shows his humanness. Um, whereas, oh, dude, um, I, I hated how uh, liberals have just fucking reformed him. It's not even like it's not it's not it's not media reform. I actually, you know, I actually listen to him talk. Um, I listen to him talk. I listen to him speak. I see his face. I'm, I I feel I feel empathy. Um, I I feel the energy that. Um, radiates off of him, and I and I genuinely feel um, that he is um, he's remorseful, and he's attempting to grow, and he feels like shit about himself. I, oh. I genuinely believe that. Whereas fucking Obama, he don't give a shit. He thinks he's the fucking. Uh, let me tell you he's something. He's the king Mr. on Obama. earth. I do give a shit. I oh, <laughs> right. Right. But I put my energy right. into making movies that you can watch on Netflix right Right. Now. You know, but that's here nor there. But again, I'm not picking on Barack. Um, I think all presidents are equally pieces of shit. Did I mention I'm starring a publishing house? <laughs> I would like to publish you, Mr. Graham. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, that's my Obama impression. Yeah, <laughs> no. All right. All right. <laughs> Speaking of things that are horrid. <laughs> Actually, let's uh, go back a little bit. To uh, the very to the beginning with you. So uh, Barry, uh, when and where were you born, and uh, what was your early life like? <laughs> All right, man. I'm this. I'm gonna leave a whole lot of shit out. <laughs> uh, but I was born and raised in Amish country, um, proudly. My Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. My family on my mother's side was Amish. Um, and my father's side um they are scots um so i have you know i grew up in lancaster county amish country right in the middle of um you know cow barns and cornfields and silos um the product of a crazy scotsman and a strong, beautiful, capable German woman, um, and that's how I'm here. Um, you know, life, life was life. I mean, it's the thing about it. You don't, 
I think as a kid, when you're actively going through, like, I'm not sure what age or where we're at in life when we actually start looking back and processing our past things. I don't know at what age we do that, but I think, you know, kids when they're living, they're living life in real time. Like I've lived in some fucked up places and I've I've been through some fucked up shit, but only only upon retrospect. You know what I mean? In my mm -hmm. mind at the time, I like I loved I loved my childhood. I I think. I think I, I think I had an amazing childhood. For for instance, I'll give you I'll give you a for instance that will kind of highlight what I'm saying. Um, when I was when I was 11, um, I moved into an airport hangar. Um, <laughs> like military? Airport? No, it's Willow Run Airport, right around the corner. I lived inside the fucking hangar at Willow Run Airport. Yes, sir. This is the thing, though. See, when you're a as an adult looking back on it, you're like, man, that's kind of fucked up. But as a kid, I have a fucking airport as a playground. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, the planes out back, there's all kinds of shit back there to, for a kid to get into, just exploring. And, you know what I mean? Shit like that. That's what I remember about that time. I remember, you know, just having a tremendous amount of fun. You know, but the reality of what was actually happening, you don't process until much, much later. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say. All right. So uh, when did you uh, get into writing? <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is so this is how I started writing. I, I, um, I was, I don't know, for lack of a better term, I don't know if this is politically correct anymore, but it's whatever. Um I was probably in high school what most people would refer to now as a wigger, if you remember that term <laughs> from the 90s. Oh, that uh, is classic. Right. So, which I'm eternally thankful for. It's it's entirely reshaped my values and the structure of my life and who I am as a human being. It's entirely reshaped that going from, and I'll talk about that in a second, but you know, going from a place like Amish country to a place where you hear nwa saying fuck the police for the first time and in your mind you're like why would you fuck the police like they're good guys you don't get it you see what i'm saying you don't get it growing up in amish country you know but you come to a place like ypsilanti that offers you a different perspective um and just opening up your world culturally you know but being you know i fell in love with with hip-hop immediately i remember first fucking album i heard um um, ghetto Boys gripping on another level if you're a Ghetto Boys or a Scarface fan or if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, uh, mostly it's them know, guys. Mostly know them through their influence on ICP, another, uh, another, no. another Michigan treasure. Um, yeah, no, not Ghetto Boys necessarily. Um, they're out of Houston. They started Rap a Lot Records, which was a completely um, oh, uh, black owned. Uh, Violent, Violent, Violent J did talk about them a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure, you know. Um, they're you're usually influential, um, but you know those guys. Um, Too short, N.W.A. Um, you know, that was kind of those three specifically, um, in in the very very early '90s. Kind of was my introduction to hip hop, but I love it. it. It offered me it offered me a it offered me a perspective into a culture into a people that I had no knowledge of. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it, it put a little fire in me, you know what I mean? It, it, it started having me think about issues like social justice and, and police brutality and, 
you know, just how fucked up life is, you know, coming from the fucking cornfields, you don't have that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, it changed my life. It did. And fast forward to answering your question, I was, you know, they have the book fairs come in and you could pick a book. Oh, it's classic books. Yeah. We're kind of for oh, teenagers shit. is in the library. Some this fucking wigger kick. I think it's going to be cool if I pick up the autobiography of Malcolm X and, um, <laughs> You know, outside, but I'll tell you, outside of religious texts, that book changed my fucking life more than anything else I've ever read. Um, Wait, uh, what What grade were you in at this I was time? 15. Oh, okay. Cause, uh, 15. I picked it up. Reading a lot deeper than I was back then. Uh, 15. Well, again, I, that wasn't my intention. My intention was <laughs> to look cool because I'm this, you know, I'm carrying around this autobiography of Malcolm X. That was my intention. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had nothing to do with the book. Well, I actually decided one day, well, I might as well fucking read it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I read it and I uh, just started reading a few other things. And I had this, you know, I had this little girlfriend in um, in high school, um, Angie Eberly. I'm going to give you a little shout out. She's married now and I don't know what her married name is. Um, and she ain't going to hear this anyways. You but... never know, man. My podcast gets out there pretty <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so anyways, you know, it, you write the little notes. There's no texting, none of that shit. You write your little notes. Um, and you fold them up into little fucking things and then you pass them in the hallways between classes or yeah, that was, yeah so that's what we did so she was huge into Charles Manson right <laughs> and then it's 90s they were a weird time you know but again for Charles Girl Manson your dreams. His, Charles Manson's philosophy um, take if you separate you know the monstrosities from from his personal philosophy um, when he was younger and before he became Charles Manson. It's fucking fascinating and brilliant. It really is. Um, and that was another thing that was heavily influenced. Um, the one Charles Manson quote that I, he said, I have X'd myself from your world. Love is my judge. And I'll never fucking, it's fucking gorgeous. I'll never forget that. Um, you know, so I kind of learned some of those kind of sensibilities from Charles Manson's early writing. Anyway, she loved him. And at the bottom of her letters, she would, you know, scribble down little Charles Manson quotes. <laughs> um, you know, so me, I'm like, I'm starting to read a little bit and I'm starting to think a little bit. So I'd scribble down my own shit, you know, just my own, you know, philosophies, quotes, you know, countering, you know, or offering something else to what... You know, and she's like, oh, you know, who, where's this from? And I'm like, oh, no, that's me. You know what I mean? And she's like, oh, you know, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, I like doing that. I like expressing myself through words. Um, and I also was my introduction to philosophy was Charles Manson. So, you know, I started started with the big, the classics, you know what I mean? I'll butcher a lot of the names because they're European and uh, I don't know them. Very, but like, very, uh, very quickly, do you ever listen to Charles Manson's album? No. Oh, man. No. They put together like all his solo songs. It's fantastic, actually. Like, you're being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. Oh. It's a real, like, six, real lo-fi 60s folk, mute folk country sound. Uh, let's see. Guns N' Roses covered one of his songs. I think I knew that. On the Spaghetti Incident. What, what? Marilyn Manson did. Yeah, I think I knew that about Guns I love Guns N' Roses. That's, yeah, I think the Axl Rose is the greatest front man of all time. Fuck off if you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, had to throw that in there. Uh, yeah, um, I, th I think they did the song "Where's My Monkey." Mm. Yeah, Charles Manson also has another great song called "Carving X's on Your Grave," mm. which I think he gets like his uh, cult there to like sing the chorus. Oh, right on! Carving X's. On I know he had grave. some history with the Beach Boys. Oh yeah, yeah, he did um, actually. 
I want. Hold on. How how much time do we actually have? Because I could have a quick little story ish uh, if we have a couple minutes. Uh, we have all the time in the world until the Lions come on. And they keep going to the Super Bowl. Baby. All right. So there's a comic book writer out of Ann Arbor. I ran into him at a McDonald's um, a few years back. Over a decade, his name is T. Casey Brennan. He's a phenomenal comic book writer. He used to write for a lot of the um, the Warren comics in the 70s, Vampirella, Creepy, Eerie, that kind of shit. Um, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. And he's a huge MK Ultra guy, you know, huge. <laughs> so he told me, and he has, like, he, carry, he used to carry around his briefcase and he'd have all these newspaper things and all this shit. Well, he, his, his claim to fame, and he's actually famous for this if you look him up, is that he was part of the MK Ultra conspiracy. Like right, he, took he part was part of it. Not only oh. did he take part of it, but he took one of the shots at JFK. No, but I'm gonna break down this story. No, I know it's crazy. It's fucking ludicrous. It is. it is. So I'm, I'm gonna. I'll send it to you because I can't think of it. Conjurella. Look up C O N J U R E L L A. Anybody listen? Who cares? Conjurella. T Casey Brennan. Look it up. Read that shit. So okay, according to him. His father was friends with the, one of the main guys involved in the project, and he owed him a lot of money, and he couldn't pay it, and he was going to kill his mm. father. And he said, can I use your son in these experiments? And he sold his son's experimentation mm. to the CIA. This is his claim, T.K. Brennan. So That's harsh. Yeah, it is. So he was involved in it. You know, He said, no, he's met Oswald. He, in several occasions, he said he actually... He actually, they used to talk about comic books and comic book shit together, but he said the same thing about Charles Manson. He said, as a matter of fact, he said when, when Oswald was on his way up, they actually crossed paths on the stairs and stopped and talked about comic books briefly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Charles Manson, he's, according to him, he used to talk a lot about you know, Charles Manson comic books also. Uh, um, my, uh, favorite, but, my favorite MK Ultra conspiracy theory is that... Uh, Ted Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber, R.I.P., he was, uh, it was confirmed he was part of it, and they fucked him up big time. And yeah. Not only did hmm. it lead him to become the Unabomber, but that he was also, for a brief time, the Zodiac Killer. Oh, I've heard that. Yep. I've heard he was the Zodiac. Um, the Unabomber Manifesto is brilliant, actually. It's brilliant. Oh. In parts, in parts. I've read Fair. parts, but you know what's really brilliant? I tried to read it straight. I'm gonna get really fucking cryptic. Um, you know what's actually fucking brilliant is um, ah oh man, I can't remember his name. Um, the other bomber man, he did Oklahoma City. Oh, Timothy McVeigh. McVeigh, Timothy McVeigh. Um, not as base as Tekazinski. No, he but is, he he that, fucking his fucking manifesto. Well, I mean, you can call him a Nazi, but he, but he said, um, and, you know, according to him, he said, no, he just took a playbook from the United States um, foreign policy on on death and destruction and, and, the and militants. Sure. So, you know, according to him, anyways, it's good. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> anyways, um, Charles Manson. So Charles Manson and him talked about comic books a lot too. And this was his proof. This is what he offered as proof. And I actually looked at this up. Like I checked it out and it's real. So on Charles Manson's left shoulder is a comic book character that of T. Casey Brennan's Uncle Creepy, his main character. He did not illustrate or write Uncle Creepy until the 70s. 
But according to him, Charles Manson asked him if he could get his design tattooed on him, and he got it. And according to and if you look at photos of Manson well before the 70s until this character was even, you know, published or anything, he has that tattoo on his shoulder. Dun, dun, dun. Uncle Creepy. <laughs> now, it could have been vice versa. T. T. Casey Brennan could have been a very smart man and said, hey, I'm going to start this lore and I'm going to get this going and I'm going to use that character. Could have been either way. He's a brilliant man. Um, but he's interesting nonetheless. He's interesting. I mean, well, he's fucking sure. 90. Last time I seen him, he he performed at a madhouse. He was fucking tripping on acid. <laughs> 90 years old. He fronts a fucking yeah. fronts a fucking death metal band. He was fronting a fucking death metal band, um, tripping his balls off. Um, Dude, dudes rock. <laughs> um, he's a cool cat. Anyway, so <laughs> all right. So um, so anyway, so yeah. yeah. So fast forward again. Um, so that's how I started writing. You know, I started reading more philosophy. Um, just the the big guys, you know, Nietzsche, um, if I'm saying that right, Machiavelli. Nietzsche, um, Nietzsche, how are you? Yeah, the, you know, the big guys. And um, and then I just started writing a lot. And I, st I wrote really, really, really shitty poetry for 10 or 15 years. And really, you know, philosophy, ba like poems based on my philosophies are fucking terrible. <laughs> um, but... I, I eventually um, started to get better and I started to get better and I started to get better and I applied um, I applied to grad school and they're like, no fucking way, dude. Um, so I applied to the written communication teaching of English comp program and I took, um, so I started taking creative writing classes, you know, to fill as fill-ins and um, Jeff Parker, um, who was, he's a brilliant writer, I love Jeff. Um, he was my advisor later but he was my professor at the time he, he's like hey man you know come talk to me for a second we talk and he's like um you know why ain't you in the creative writing program and i'm like i didn't get in he's like we didn't let you in i was like no um so he pulls a book down off the shelf fucking christopher kennedy's trouble with the machine changed the way i wrote entirely it was a collection of prose poems and up until then i've never seen a prose poem in my life um and i've read these things and i'm a holy fuck um, and it changed, it changed my writing life. I, I love what Christopher Kennedy does. Um, so he suggested that I reapplied the next year. I reapplied, um, did the program. Then I went on to the MFA and did that shit, you know? So I did the whole academic thing. Yeah. Um, were you once a professor writing at Rutgers? I, I taught at Rutgers. Um, I taught at Adrian college. I taught at Monroe community college. Yeah. For about a decade I taught, just got burnt out, man. And got fucking burnt out. And the political climate, socio-political climate in universities is changing. And really, uh, another big thing is I gave up. I gave up believing in um, standard American English as something worthwhile or something that should be gate kept and taught at a university. Um, so I don't. I don't believe in it anymore. <laughs> Not that it doesn't have its value and its purpose, but I don't believe. I don't believe in it. All right, so uh, where are some of your favorite writers now? Like of all time, are people writing now? I guess just like right now, like. Um, who do I read right now? You, you know, quite honestly, um, my friends. You know, I love my friend shit. You know, that the pile up there on the top, they're um, they're my friends' books. I pull from them first, um, because there's so much, there's so much great shit um, inspiration. Um, just happening all around. Like Dan Denton, like you mentioned earlier, 
Um, I love Dan's shit. Um, this guy named Daniel Bailey, if you know Daniel Bailey, he's not a personal friend of mine, but I met him on occasion, and, and I enjoy Peter Schwartz, if if you if you know Peter, um, Nikki Blankenship, um, Ian Jib J I B whatever the fuck his name is. I don't know. <laughs> Ian, I apologize if you happen to hear this man. I don't I don't really know what to call you sometimes, man. Um, but he's right. You know, Sorry, he's just man. writing some great shit. You know, Leo, uh, Leo Jarrett. He's his poems are amazing. Um, Gwendolyn Jarris, um, you know, so just friends. I read my friends' work. Um, um, Brooke Plummer, um, she's writing some good stuff. So yeah, um, that's what I'm. That's what I read. Well, I know one writer that kind of unites us, along with Dan Denton, uh, Charles Bukowski. Yeah, I mean, I I like Bukowski. I mean, I. I don't, I don't know that he was an an influence. I I certainly like what he does, and I, and I, I think people got him wrong. You know, I, th- I think I think. I don't I don't think he's like trying to show his dick, man. I don't. I think he's a fucking sad old man, and he's trying to tell everybody how fucking sad and pathetic being a fucking sad old man is, and you don't want this. Hmm. Um. And I think at the end of the day, that's how I think of Bukowski. Listen, man, this is fucking sad and it's lonely and it's shit and you don't want this. I've chosen this and um, this is my life. And he showed us his life, you know. He opened up a fucking window to his life and said, this is how sad and pathetic this shit is. Is this really what you want to do? Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, Dan and I already talked about that last time. And we also concluded that Bukowski... Great writer, but uh, it doesn't take that hard to be a better person than him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I never met the guy, so I'll go easy on him. But Dude, how awesome would that be if you have met him? <laughs> I don't even know what I do or say. It's always weird when you meet when you meet idols. Um, it's like, you know, I love your shit. Like, what do you say? You know, the, the, um, a funny story, I met George Saunders because Jeff... That I mentioned earlier, Jeff Parker. He's um, it's Saunders is his you know friend and mentor, and I was at an AWP, and we were um we're standing around, and I'm fucking just double fisting, just fucking drinks, just throwing them down, not double fisting in the other context, um, but I'm throwing <laughs> be- throwing beers down right, and uh, I'm just you know there, and um you know I'm just making a fucking ass of myself, um because. That's what I did in my, it's AWP. In my. That's what I did, and when I was when I was in my late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. And it's what, AWP. what else would you do there? So we're talking. You know, I'm just being obnoxious, and then he's like, "Oh, he looks at me." Parker looks at me, and he's like, "Oh, have you have you met George Saunders?" And I'm like, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "I'm like, no, man." He's like, "No, no, I'm I'm glad." He's like, "George." He's like, I'm glad it actually happened this way, you know. And then I ran him into him at the airport later on. Um, but outside of that meeting, um, oh, also Jane Ann Phillips, I fucking love Jane Ann Phillips. She ran. That's actually why I went to Rutgers because she ran the program out at Rutgers. Um, and so I'm, I Jeff again. Jeff's Parker's a good friend of hers, you know. And he says, um, hey. You know, talk to talk to Jane when you're there. Tell her I sent you. So I go Rutgers hosted a little thing, and I show up. And you know, and she's kind of like, oh, whatever. And then I throw Parker's name out because he told me to. And then she's warms up. Mm-hmm. So I go come over. So 
we're sitting there. She hands me, she rips off a pile of fucking drink tickets like nobody's business. Just hands them to me, and we're just there getting shit, fucking shit face. Sorry. If, she, I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to say this. I don't think she cared. Whatever. Uh-huh. Fucking getting drunk as fuck. Just, she was already drunk. Already drunk, you know? So we're just having a good old time. Talked to her for like 45 minutes. So the next day, I wanted to stop at her table because I wanted her to sign my books of hers that I had. She has no fucking idea who I was. <laughs> she didn't remember the conversation. She looked blankly like no record. It's like one of the fucking best conversations I've had in a very long time. She has zero recollection. So I was <laughs> like, no, that's pretty amazing. Um, it made me, um, made me like her more. <laughs> but other than those two, you know, I think it's weird when you meet people like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about a uh, dog's plot. Uh, sorry. Uh, Dog's Plot, for those who don't know, is a uh, online publication that uh been around, like you said, since, like, what, mid-2000s? 2009. Yeah, and uh, eh, last posting was 2018, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, well, that's going to be resurrected, but we can talk about that yeah, in a we'll, Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. So, uh, how did a Dog's Plot come about? Um... There was a site that I was reading that was doing 100-word stories. And I'm like, this is cool. And ever, again, same time that Parker had given me Christopher Kennedy's copy of Trouble with the Machine. So I was I was in, just in love with the form, and I was absorbing prose, poems, and, you know, flash fiction, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm absorbing that just like nothing. So I'm going through these stories and going through these stories. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. So I put up a site. I started on fucking MySpace at the time. My oh, friends are yeah. like, and they're like, dude, get this shit off MySpace, man. Get a site and <laughs> run with this because you have something. Get you a know? blog spot like a real Exactly. Blogger. Yeah. Fuck MySpace. Go to Blogger, right? So yeah. So I put it up there because it's Blogger's fucking stupid easy to use. Um, got got um, a couple letters involved, which is how I met Peter. Lifelong friendship. Um, Lauren Becker was there for a little bit. Bill Barr was helping me for a little bit. Um, you know, just lifelong friends. And so I just started doing it and I, I fucking loved it. I I thought, you know, we put out a lot of, we, a lot of people, um, who are big now. Um, the the Carolyn, I know I'm going to fuck her last name up. I'm I apologize, Carolyn, Carolyn Knepsis. Um, the lady who wrote you, the, the movies on the shows, the TV series on, you know, with the killer Joe, that guy. Anyways, um, I published her early stuff. Uh, Roxanne Gay, uh, Matt Bell. Um, you know, I published Sam Pink's stuff. Oh, um, nice. Oh, yeah. I published his first collection, actually. I think, he, I think he lives in Michigan now. He does. He's up in Michigan. He's up north. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I put his, I'm going to clone myself and kill the clone and need it. Um, put that out. Um, Blake Butler... Um, that I don't you from you remember HTML Giant right the Wait, literary blog HTML, HTML, HTML Giant yeah it's a literary but yeah literary blog right so you remember so I remember Blake's talking about you know this fucking guy Sam he's writing this shit and it's it's amazing does anybody want publishers out there want to take a look at it I'm like fuck yeah. yeah so I read it fucking contact Sam immediately they're like I'm in man that was the first book yeah full length collection I met ever Sam put out in, uh, yeah Chicago. oh yeah yeah I think I uh kind of weird him out though because uh at the time i was reading his short story collection her others oh, yeah. he's talking about working at a warehouse and i'm like dude i work at a warehouse which i still do yeah and i looked at him I'm like 
Well, yeah, you look like you work at a warehouse. You know, you kind of got the bills going <laughs> on there. I think he thought I was hitting on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, lo- I love Sam. I'm trying to get him to come up. We're doing a show the 24th. I'm trying to get him to come in. Wait, uh, next, next month? February 24th, yeah. Wait, is that Saturday? It is. Um, Fuck, I may just come over. I mean, I sent I sent you the invite on. It's in Toledo, though. It's up on Alexis. Uh, you can make it down to Toledo. Oh hell yeah! Um, I'll look more into it now. Yeah, I'll 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 re I'll resend you the I'll resend you the link. Um, but I know you're on the invite list. Um, but yeah, so we're doing that. I'm trying to get him there. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna have any luck. But um, yeah, so dog spot, and I was doing that, and just you know, people started people started paying attention. People started liking what we were doing. And I I, I do want to say this, and I'm gonna sound bitter, and I'm gonna sound salty. Because I, I am bitter and salty about it, if I'm being quite honest. I feel like Dog Spot, and not even for myself because I don't care, but I feel like Dog Spot does not get the respect that it deserves as far as what it has done in turning flash fiction into what flash fiction is. I mean, we fucking did that. We were fucking putting in work. We were publishing. We were getting fucking people's collections out there. We were fucking hustling it everywhere. Um, you know, and people do recognize, like, uh, you know, the, when, the, when Norton's finally, um, you know, wanted to jump on the train and put out a collection of, of flash fiction and anthology, I was acknowledged in the acknowledgement. Um, you know, the Wigleaf Top 50, you know, they're the Wigleaf list, which for me, for my money, Wigleaf is the, is the standard of short fiction form on the internet. Um, you know, they do their thing. And I remember this guy was compiling a list of magazines that appeared in the wig leaf top 50 and this was years and years after i even stopped publishing and dog spot was still in the top five and at that point i hadn't been publishing anything for years you know so um and i'm proud of that and i just think anytime the discussion of flash fiction and you know who were the people who were out there not saying the form didn't exist before us. That's stupid, right? It's flash fiction. But I, I mean, mean really, make that but claim, you totally count. no. But yeah. I didn't mean as far as just giving it, turning it into what it is, is a respectable um, and acknowledged um, literary um, genre. I think we helped put it on the map, and and no one, which is fucking crickets. Yeah, actually, I think this may have been the time too that I uh, technically first interacted with you. I think maybe. Because uh, I've had one piece published in Dog's Plot. I believe it was in 2008. It was... Uh, 2008. I wasn't sure if we started in 2007 yeah. or 2009. So it was 2007. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, yeah it was earlier than that. Oh, okay. It was, uh, yeah, it was back when I was unfortunately living with my folks again at the time. Mm. It was a piece called Revenge. It was all right. I thought it was amazing at the time. Unfortunately, I used the word tranny in there, which... Yeah. 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 Oh man, I look back at my shit. I wrote my twenties and fucking cringe. Oh totally. Oh man, I'm 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 embarrassed by it now. Yeah, I used to I used to wonder why some people were like, oh, I'm glad this isn't published anymore. Yeah. Now I get that. Yeah, you know, I uh, I get that too. But yeah, I mean, I don't dwell on it, but it's one of those things where like, if I see it come up in Facebook memories or something, it's like. God damn it. it! It was that. It was that. You know, it, more than even Bukowski. Like not even Bukowski, but Henry Miller did it mm. for me. I, I was I was hugely influenced by what Henry Miller was doing. Tropic of Cancer. I fucking just 
read that thing over and over and I'm like, holy shit, you can do this. You know what I mean? So I'm like, well, I'm going to fucking do this. And <laughs> I, you know, I cringe about it now. Yeah, some of the shit I did and, and said and reading some of my interviews and shit from when I was in my 20s, I'm like, oh man. But, you know, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, so that was my one piece ever published in Dog's Plot. I published, I submitted like four others over the years. Just got immediately rejected. Uh, oh, I reject. I, that's why I got so many submissions. Because yeah. well, I, don't I, think, I don't think the other ones were you. It was some other. Well, just same thing. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse took over after I did. Jesse yeah. Eagle. He's a brilliant writer. He just put out a collection. I wish I no, knew the name of it. If he was so brilliant. Um, just did, remembered yeah. it. If he yeah, was so no, brilliant, yeah, yeah, why fair. Didn't publish my brilliant Fair. Book? Um, but um, Jesse Eagle, man, check out his shit. I'm sorry, Jesse. I don't remember the name of the of the novel, but please um, check it out. Jesse, but, come on the podcast. But and I think, explain to me why you didn't publish my three <laughs> other pieces. I think that's I think that's why I, got, I used to get so many submissions because I would, <laughs> I'd res, I'd never it never took me longer than three days, and usually it was within an hour, hmm. you know. So. Um, you know, when you have that kind of turnaround time. And everyone's like, oh, how can you... First of all, your fucking story is 120 words. Fuck off. I, I read it, and I read it, I read everything three times, which is more than I think any fucking editor can say. How many of them read a fucking piece three times before they reject it? You know? I read every piece three times, and then I made a fucking decision. And that's that. And, it, you know, if you're reading something that's 120 words, that takes literally... Two minutes, you know. All right. So uh, you mentioned you spoiled it a little bit earlier, but yeah, uh, you say you plan on bringing dogs oh. back to life. Yeah. So well, not me actually. So Brooke um, Plummer that I was talking about earlier, um, I I met her. She she's kind of a nomadic, um, kind of like a just a cool ass punk chick who is just doing the literature thing, and she's brilliant and. I ran into her in Ohio um, when I was living down in Toledo, and we were talking about it a little bit, and she was talking about wanting to put something out. And I said, well, I've been wanting to resurrect this, but I don't really, I don't have the time or the energy or the whatever, but she's, you know, she has it. She's She's got it. So I'm like, okay. So um, we were talking about it. Now she's she's doing something a little bit different. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a more like a punk DIY indie thing. It's going to go beyond flash fiction, you know. And it's going to be everything. Um, but um, I I like the direction that it's going. And the first issue will be out in 2024. So I'm excited to see it. I'm, she's going to be at the show the 24th. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how it's progressing. Hell yeah. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I'll try swing something again. Yeah, go, go ahead, man. Actually, I, honestly, I probably won't because uh, a lot of, well, not because I'm... <laughs> Not because I fear rejection, but uh, no, a lot of my poetry's been pretty long, so. Uh, yeah, well, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Ain't nothing wrong with long poetry. Yeah. I've actually been having some trouble placing them in songs. Oh, really? So yeah. No, that's been. Pretty I mean, how long are we talking here? Over like, two pages. Like Walt Whitman level. Oh, yeah. You might. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> might be problematic placing those. But yeah, I can't believe this. Give it a shot. Yeah, I can't believe this uh, WordPress journal-based literary website doesn't want to publish my 20-page uh, uh -huh. Whitman Estrici. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a mad world. All right, last part of this section, uh, Madhouse Sessions, which 
we confirmed earlier, mm. you did not found. I did not. But um, how did you get involved? So, Leo, I mean, Leo's a fucking brilliant man. He's brilliant. And, you know, like I said, I jumped in on his vision from the beginning. He he, he was hosting, you know, in a coffee shop. You have the poets in there. And then you have, um, you know, some music, you know, good music. Um, and, I mean, from the first, I wandered in there one time because it, it was right across, or at Eastern's campus right there on Cross Street. So it was right there, so, you know. So I seen the, the thing for it stop. Um and I, I just, you know, I was hooked from day one. So I kept showing up, kept showing up. And then um, he actually, he went, he took a job in Illinois and he was going to be gone for a year, year and a half. And he says to me, hey, do you want to keep this thing going? And I'm like, fuck yeah. So, um, and that, that, that right there was kind of a blessing and a curse for both Leo and I because um, what I started doing, because I, of course I had my own vision in my head of what I wanted to do. And I think, I mean, in hindsight, and again, this is part of like accepting your shit and owning your shit. I will acknowledge that I think, I, I think maybe that I was a little bit, um, and it wasn't intentional because I was I was just going with it. But in hindsight, I think maybe I was a little bit disrespectful to him, in the sense that I I escaped the vision and I took it in my own direction. So when he comes back from Champagne, Madhouse is has adapted this sort of identity into what he had already established, and so it was a constant ebb and flow of my vision, Leo's vision, my and so and, you know, and there's a lot of very fine. Exactly. Exactly. Which which I understand now as a grown man how that was disrespectful to him, even though it wasn't my intention. You know, Leo, if you hear this, I do apologize. because um, it wasn't my intention to do that. But um and ultimately at the end of the day, that's why um that's why I'm doing something now besides Madhouse because again, you just you know, you grow creatively, you grow in different directions. Leo wants to get back to the original vision, which I've respected and admired the shit out of, is keeping that poetry backbone, and you know, um, you know, poetry is a pathway to the divine, and let's focus on the poetry. And I kind of want to do focus on the art, but poetry is not necessarily doesn't have to be the backbone. Um, so that yeah. was, you know, there's just creative differences, differences in that, and I think. Um, he just, you know, eventually just, I was pull, I was, I was my, I was too heavy handed in implementing my vision, um, at the expense of him. And at the end of the day, I, I went too far. All right. So, uh, who are some of the notable performers at Madhouse? Uh, um, everyone. I mean, <clears throat> I, every single person who has performed at Madhouse I think is brilliant I am I've been in awe of everything I've seen things at Madhouse um, that I've never seen anywhere else I see people take risks and take chances and be their authentic selves it's you know it's kind of a place it's kind of a place for misfits you know there's a lot more of that now because you know that spirit has has taken hold and I think and for good you know and I see a lot of that kind of stuff kind of like um, as, um, ah, the new, I'm going to butcher your last name. I'm sorry. Damien Rucci. 
I think that's how you say his last name, R-E-C-C-I. He calls it the poetry renaissance, you know. Um, he's going on a bus tour. He's taking some poets and some crazy folks on a bus June 24th this summer, and he's hitting the road, and he's going to do his thing. Um, but that kind of shit, you know. Um, Ian and Nikki, who I was talking about earlier, they got the dopest fuck show down in Portsmouth now. You know, so this is, I see a lot of that spirit um, kind of taking hold. And, and I, you know... Um, so yeah, I forget what my original point was. Oh yeah, the, but the performers like I've I've seen things there I've never seen anywhere else. You know, I we we recently heard a poem about you know some someone you know giving Jesus a blowjob. You know, perfect. It's like right on. You know, Tanazio, I love you, Tanazio. Um, you know, just or just people doing things with music like so, just musically. Um, artistically, just people taking risks and taking chances, and I, and and I also love people who have never stepped on a mic, and they're like, oh, I'm looking for mic time, and I'm like, come here, <laughs> and then they're like, oh shit, you know, but they're like, oh, I, you know, I love them, and then they stuck around, you know, it's the people who stick around that become become family, you know. Yeah, folks, uh, yours truly almost became one of those performers. <laughs> I was set to perform there. Yeah, I showed up. You and showed up, poster. and then, but then you there dipped was a, out. Yeah, because uh, it turns out there was a huge fucking snowstorm coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the time like I was scheduled to go on, it would hit. It was like, oh, crap, crap. Okay, I guess I'm leaving now. That was Bye. at the Maidstone, wasn't it? Yep, the Maidstone. Yeah, that was at the Maidstone. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I got back. Well, I did get hit by it, but I was like close to Grand Rapids that time. Yeah. So, technically, a good good choice on my part but that God, fucking show great. man we ended up dude somehow we there was a stripper there pole dancing um yeah this lady contacted me and she's like hey you know you said you're looking for dancers what kind of dance i said anything as long as it's an authentic representation of yourself bring it so she's like thank you she fucking shows up with a fucking pole you know? <laughs> And just we're like, all right, cool, this is happening. Oh you know? god, that reminds me of that was the first Madhouse show I went to. The second one I think was more downtown Ypsilanti. Oh it yeah, was in, we did a lot of Ipsy for yeah, a long time. Yeah, it was a cafe that just happened to be across from a strip club, I think. Oh, Ipsy Ipsy Ale House. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I fucking love. That's one of my favorite shows of all time, man. If it's the one I'm thinking of, um, yeah, we were kind of. Um, like off in the corner, like, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, man. All right. So, right uh, on. All right. So, yeah, that's, that's what we do. All right. So, uh, very quickly, uh, let's go into, uh, to your new, uh, thing you got going on. Third phase. Yeah. Yeah. That At first I thought third phase was like Madhouse <laughs> renamed, but apparently oh, no, no. No, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's going more into the direction of, of where I was kind of um, trying to push Madhouse, and I just, um, you know, but yeah, so, I mean, you don't, you don't really know, um, you know, we, we have poetry, um, you know, just what you, what you ex would expect from Madhouse, poetry, music, um, just whatever, kind of a hodgepodge, um, you know, things just kind of happen and they're good shows. Yeah. 
Yep. And the next event for that is going to be next February 24th. Every February we do, we do an erotica themed show. Um, so this is our erotica show, February. Um, and that's the photography stuff I'm shooting now. That's right. for the show. All right. So you said that Madhouse is on a hiatus right now. Yeah, I, th- I think what, I think Leo might bring it back, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Will you be hosting it then? Um, I certainly will help out in any way, shape, or form that Leo wants me to help. But I've matured in the sense that I understand helping means um, helping somebody isn't imposing your will on them because what you think is helpful. Helping somebody means, okay, this is the way they need me to help, and I'm going to oblige. Well, plus, by the story you just told, it seemed like he kind of left it in your care anyway, so... there, Yeah, there, I mean, there, but again, under the understanding that I was going to keep the ball rolling with what he was doing, and I think I, I disrespected him. In I that know, way. but it's not like he was like, okay, Barry, I'm going off. But before I go, remember, don't no, do sh- that. No, sure, do sure, that. sure. No parties over while, while sure, I'm gone. Sure, <laughs> sure. All right. All right, dude. Uh, final part of this interview. Uh, let's do this before the Lions continue their awesome winning streak. All righty. And they go on to the Super Bowl. And I just noticed this, the hoodie you're wearing. Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I, I was I was at Marshalls in Ohio, and this is the only fucking thing in my size, <laughs> and it cost eight dollars. So I grabbed it. I don't care about the Browns. Uh, I wish them well. I wish everybody well, but I have no loyalty to the Cleveland Browns. I just you know, I enjoy the shirt. You know what? For the sake of the rest of this interview, we will go with that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happened. All right. Um, all right, brother. Uh, let's talk about photography with you. All right, man. Yeah, uh, this one thing I noticed since uh, since we're friends on Facebook. I think over like the past two years or so, from what I recall, yeah, you've seen that really gotten into uh, photography and posting about it, talk about your adventures. Uh, yeah, is this, has this been an interest for a long time or something new? Yeah, I mean, I I think I've I I mean I've been taking I've I've been taking photographs like at a serious level for about 15 years um but i think just in the last couple of years i've finally gotten good you know i i i have a vision you know i i know what i'm trying to do um and i have a vision for my photography and i'm i like i said took 13 years of practice but i feel like i'm finally at a point now where um i'm proud of what i'm doing yeah. All right. Uh, how do you uh, engage in photography? Do you have a specific process, and do you have, like, say, a type of camera you like to use? I I actually love um, Panasonic's. The very first thing I shot on was a Panasonic handheld. I made a fucking terrible movie. I I was into writing screenplays for a while. <laughs> fucking terrible screenplays. Well, not terrible screenplays. I like the screenplays. But the final product, I only made two of them into actual short films, and they fucking sucked. Are they but still around? One of them got flagged and banned from <laughs> streaming services. Wait, um, you actually put it on a streaming service? Yeah, because, um, well, like, you know, YouTube, whatever the other one oh. is, that kind of shit. And Nick was taken down. Oh, that. Opening oh. scene, there's a, there's a naked woman in a... 
in a pig mask who has this old guy in a diaper on a fucking chain and a dog leash and she's walking him over to a dog bowl <laughs> so the, the the camera's right at the dog bowl and you just see her coming and walking this guy down and he just shoves his face in this fucking thing and just chows down and it just got weirder from there harmony kareem don't got shit <laughs> so that's where i saw that was taken down and then the other one was just fucking stupid really i wrote it the runtime was about 45 minutes and then i entered this contest so i actually finished second place and i don't even know how but i entered this contest and the time was 20 minutes so what I did is, instead of writing a 20-minute film, which is what I should have done, I cut 25 minutes from an existing film. Mm-hmm. And no fucking way. It just didn't work. Uh, um, my suggestion, uh, try getting your movies on the Tubi. They, oh, yeah. They will accept yeah. anything. Fair. But I, would, I, I just wanted to see something that I made, you know, something that I wrote turn into a film. I'm not really interested in filmmaking so much you know but anyways the 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 point was panasonic that's why i learned um and you know canon nikon whatever all the things i feel at the end of the day it's just about the controls and which ones make the most sense to you they all do the fucking same thing you know it's like computer like a laptop you know whatever fucking dell's gonna do the same thing as anything else you know it's just the controls and i and i so it's a it's a lumix um, Lumix, however the fuck you say it, on the Panasonic's cameras, so that's what mm-hmm. I shoot on. Um, yeah, do you uh, have a particular subject you like to photograph? Oh, sub- um, so I, I I primarily try to stick to a couple different... I like, like, horror noir. Um, I like that genre. I also like, um, like, rural decay. You know what I mean? I like shooting rural decay. I like shooting landscapes but i like to hide a person in them and it's like and i, I learned this i was reading i was reading an essay actually about interior design and they were talking about how you can make the smallest thing in the room a focal point and i'm like you know, like i was like i want to try that in photography so it's like okay how do you take the tiniest tiniest thing in a landscape and make them the focal point so i would place people in the landscapes and it, it might take you a little bit to find them but once you find that person that's where your eyes go every time you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I like doing that. Um, I'll shoot whatever from a friend. And also, like, I, I, like shooting, I like shooting erotica, but not not in the sense that a lot of people... And if you have time or whatever, I can, I can show you a couple of things I've been working on. But I like to take images. I, I, I like light and angles. Light and angles are my thing. I like... And I don't Photoshop. I don't do any of that shit. Just what you get is what you get. Right, but I, I use light and I use angles, um, and and I shoot the human body, and then I turn it into abstract art because it's like, okay, what the fuck am I looking at? And it might take you a minute to even realize what you're looking at, but once you know, you know, if you even ever know. But it's so I'm, t- I'm kind of taking images of the human body and distorting them to my liking, um, not distorting the human body, but distorting the image, kinda, uh, or at least your perception of it. That way, it's completely abstract until one. Then, but once you see it, you see it. You know. So that's kind of what I'm doing. So those those are the three things I like to shoot the most. All right. Uh, how how do you compare photography to writing? Do you prefer one or the other? <clears throat> um. I don't know that I prefer one or the other. I feel like they're all like. Um, 
they're both they're like my kids, right? Um, I don't I don't have a favorite, um, and I wouldn't want a favorite. I love them both, um, as and they're both unique and different in their own way. I don't love one over the other. Um, but I, those two are my favorite writing and photography. I do, I do other stuff too. I just don't have the same kind of love. Like I paint, I draw, and which I love doing very, very much. I don't love them as much. Hmm. You know, I do beadwork, do stuff like that, and I love it. Don't get me wrong, just not as much. All right. So, uh, where are your? Do you have any future plans for your photography? Like obviously, we talked about in the end of paralysis. You included some in there. Yeah. You've talked about having like get-togethers. For photography, I think you exhibited some of it. Yeah, so meetings. so I do. Um, I I plan to you know incorporate them into my writing. You know, not not just kind of images included in chapbooks or collections or whatever. So that um, as a way, but also like I shoot for shows, like the stuff I'm doing now. I'm shooting for the erotica show. Um, you know, hor like horror and erotica. I will shoot that if people i know have shows like i've had stuff at the dirty show out in detroit i've had stuff at horror cons horror film fests you know shit like that just if i know mostly for you know friends like i'm I'm not going around searching like i'm not searching out places to submit my work to but mm -hmm. if i know a friend's like hey i'm the coordinator for the dirty show this year what do you got i'll say hey i got this or you know so shit like that so i, I do exhibit at shows um, and incorporating it into into chat books. Hmm. Yeah. All right, dude. I that's all I have to talk to you mm -hmm. about. All yeah, right. We've man. we've talked about your new book. We've talked about your past. We talked about the writing process, photography, dogs plot, madhouse. Anything we're forgetting? Um. No. I mean, if it was worth mentioning, it'd be worth remembering, I suppose. Um, well, yeah, no, I appreciate this. I appreciate you doing this and coming out. It's a long ass drive to get here, and I appreciate you. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's great seeing you again. It was, uh, thanks for, uh, hosting this, uh, first episode of 2024, the new season of GSP. Hmm, right on. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's nice. I like yep. being the first yep, of thank, the year. Yep, thank you, Barry. Uh, promo time, friend. Uh, anything you would like to promote where people can buy your work? find out more about you just anything you like i mean look up look up um look up third face on facebook i don't do much on social media outside of facebook i'm lazy and i'm not really into it um you can also find me on facebook and i'll post links if you want to order some shit but other than that come to the shows and listen and you'll hear a lot of good shit and see a lot of good shit so show up show up to the party and you get to find out what it's all about but like vegas uh, just keep it there <clears throat> all right sounds good all right man well folks you know where to find me garrettshelke.tumblr.com i got two new golden novels out golden the prisoner home and square through alien buddha press is out now and the bigger novel uh golden the gladiator killer just came out this month I have to check the status again, see if it's uh, actually been accepted by other distributors side Lulu. For some reason, it's taking a long time. But yeah, the, both those books are out. 
uh, check out my other two podcasts, A Ride of My Own, and uh, the first season of The Cheeseburger Blues, an exploration into Dad Blues Rock. It's all up there for your listening pleasure. Uh, hope you check it out. And uh, yeah, folks, that's the end of the first episode of the new season of 2024. Barry, thanks again for uh, talking, dude. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Here is the outro song. Yeah, they call me the king. Steady knocking noggins with my size 13. The only thing you got on me is that I'm obese. My talent's bad, too. Donate to the proceeds, bitch. Yeah, they call me the king. Steady knocking noggins with my size 13. The only thing you got on me is that I'm obese. My talent fat too, donate to the proceeds Fuckin' me out, your element My flow is detriment I forget your ass like you was in the Old Testament Fire rains down, turning bodies into skeletons And everything is evident that I'm the perfect gentleman See you on the streets, I turn your knees up into gelatin Had to pull the knife up on my back cause you was talking shit Gotta show my homies that I'm serious Magic on the mic when I spit, you get furious Rhymes make you delirious, I'm still slinging that dope You know my partners got my back and they cracking more than coats, yo No small feet, I gotta stay on my toes though Rappers need rhymes, I got sales like BOGO I only care about me in the green, call me solo Cash money, baby, we living life like OVO Oh no, who spilled the gas, better go, yo Taking my ass and leaving the shine like Frodo Yeah, they call me the king Steady knocking noggins with my size 13 The only thing you got on me is that I'm obese My talent's bad too, donate to the proceeds, bitch Yeah, they call me the king Steady knocking noggins with my size 13 The only thing you got on me is that I'm obese My talent fat too, donate to the proceeds Hey, what's up? It's nice to meet you I'm your favorite rapper Let me tell you about myself Some things I think that matter Six foot flat My water's getting fatter King of the saltines Boy, they call me the big cracker Rolling up I tend to do brass like a weed whacker Trying to be on my wordplay Cause I don't rap much faster Alright, cut the bullshit I don't need the chatter My life feels like a sitcom And you can cue the laughter Writing so bad It was done on the back of an Acura Overused bullshit Cause I ain't getting back Yeah, you're still that same lane With that twisted snap back Bro, you say you in the fast lane Then why did I yeah, they call me the king. Steady knocking noggins with my size 13. The only thing you got on me is that I'm obese. My talent's fat too. Donate to the proceeds, bitch.